Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and your smart speaker. Morning, J. Morning, Key. What's happening? What's happening? What's happening? Cool. What's happening is... I'm in the mood this morning. Yeah, Jay, let me just... I, I woke here, up get and out I of the chose way. violence. Let me get out of I the way. I just want everybody ahead. to know that right now. I woke up and I chose violence. And the, what's that mean? The, the only way the Nets will ever win a world championship is if Kevin Durant becomes the bus driver. There are bus drivers and there are bus riders in life. KD on paper looks like the bus driver, but he's not. It's been Kyrie. It's been Kyrie since KD followed him to Brooklyn. It's been Kyrie since Kyrie dealt with all the George Floyd issues and left the team. It's been Kyrie since, and we backed him, everything happening with the pandemic. It's been Kyrie even when after the game you get swept by the Brooklyn Nets, um, by the Boston Celtics, and Kyrie Irving is smiling while he's hugging his former teammates. Let me tell you a shift that I saw last night for KD to become the bus driver. Did you notice throughout the entire game, KD was being uber aggressive? By the way, every time Kyrie scored, you didn't see any of those fancy handshakes. You didn't see any of those dapping up. KD barely looked at him. There's a shift that needs to occur in Brooklyn. KD needs to be the bus driver, and I think I saw it last night for the first time where it says, it doesn't matter what the hell happens, get out of my way. Either you're on my bus, or if you're not, get the hell off. That's what I saw. We saw this in, I mean, but the relationship was better. It was smoother when when LeBron first got to Miami, and he didn't know exactly. It was kind of Wade's team, and ultimately that meant they fell short. Now, it was in the finals, but still they fell short. Then they got that, you know, figured out, sorted out, and won the championship back-to-back the following two years. It is time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Jay, listen to Kyrie at the postgame presser. I felt like I was letting the team down uh, at, a, at a point where I wasn't able to play. You know, we were trying to exercise every option for me to play, but I, I never wanted to just be about me. And I think it, it became a distraction at times. And, um, you know, as you see, we just had some drastic changes. That's a move toward accountability, at least. He's saying it's a move, it's a step in that direction. But I don't need to hear anything from Kyrie. Like, I don't need to hear any more words from Kyrie. I need to see your play on the court. And your play on the court showed me something different than the words you delivered after the game. Because on the court, I saw a guy who was passive. I didn't see a guy who was aggressive. I didn't see a guy that was playing like his back was against the wall and they were in a closeout game scenario. After the game was over, Key, this blows my mind. After the game was over, brother, I'm watching Kyrie on the floor, and he's hugging and he's smiling with his former teammates after they've gotten swept. Swept. Key, they got swept. So uh, they were the first preseason title favorite team to get swept in over 35 years. How do you have a smile on your face? Where's yeah, no, the intensity, I, I Keith? Uh, I don't get it. You know, athletes are a little bit different this day and age. I mean, I hate to say it that way to make it sound like I'm a 1,000 years old, but they're a little bit different. No, I'm not. And in the end, 
when you think about it, that's just who Kyrie is, right? He he he's outgoing personality with other players that he played with. Now, do I like that? No. Would I have done that? No. Would I have walked off the locker room uh, into the locker room as a, as a, the clock ticked down? Yes. And then I would have just dealt with the media after the fact. Look, he didn't play nearly as aggressive as we would have liked. He didn't do any of those sort of things. So a lot of this, in my opinion, falls on his shoulders, believe it or not. The way they got swept is a, a lot has to do with Kyrie's decision-making uh, at the beginning when he came back from his little bit of a hiatus. He, he almost to a degree, I would say, forced James Harden to ask for a trade. And then when he came back, yes, it was a lot of one-on-one, oh, my God, Kyrie's cooking, he's doing something spectacular. Look, oh, I can't believe that this dude is balling the way that he's balling. He hasn't eaten. You know, all We came up with every scenario we could think of. In the end, it all falls on his shoulders, though, because he is the main reason, in my opinion, the Brooklyn Nets are in this position. It's not about Steve Nash. It's not about Kevin Durant, because if his little butt was taking care of business and didn't make the decisions that he made, which at the end of the day is his choice, this team would have had James Harden on it, and they probably wouldn't be in this situation on the 4-0 sweep. They're going to the second round. I appreciate that point because you can make a personal choice and it affects you professionally negatively. And even if you say, well, I would do it again, those are the consequences of your decision, right? Here's the thing, though, I think that you're hitting on, Jay, that I noticed in this series. I never thought they were going to win last night, the Nets. Even when KD made a beautiful pass, KD hit a shot, and it's like it's a one-point game, and it's I forgot how many possessions were left in the game. It wasn't much time left in the game. I'm like, man, the Nets aren't going to get this. And three, they should be up 3-1. If they were a team... They'd be up 3-1. But I think what you're identifying, correct me if I'm wrong, is that if there's something wrong in the core of the team, if it's not right in there, you're going to lose those kind of close games, right? When you think about this series, even with everything that you guys said, and no James Harden and no Ben Simmons and everything you said, Jay, those were three of those four. I really think the Nets should. They should have won last night. They should have won when they were up 17 game two. They should have won when, they, when KD got caught ball watching on Jason Tatum game one. And if they were a team, if they were a unit, if that little thing inside was fixed, this is KD's team, they knew which direction they were pulling. They win those games, but they're not, and they lost those games. Well, that's the problem, Max. It, the key, the, the bar, the best player sets the tone 24-7. And a lot of times, other players may not like it, but they know what time it is, right? There, there's a sense of power that comes along with that. And, and my thing is that when you watch this team throughout the entire year – that power has been – there's been a struggle with it, right? It's been Kyrie's had a lot of power. It, I'm not condoning it, but even hearing inside rumors around James Harden saying that, well, why do you guys always acquiesce to Kyrie Irving? You guys are holding me to a different standard than your whole Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving's not doing this, but then Steve Nash is yelling at me, well, whose damn team is it? So that's what I'm getting to, K- Key. KD needs to be the guy like, yo, this is my team. That's it. Enough with all this. Kyrie, what you're doing is not acceptable. No more. It won't happen anymore. Well, you got to remember, though, Jay, that's a personal relationship. That's what I'm saying, though, Key. That personal relationship has too much influence over the organization. Yeah, but when you have a personal relationship with somebody, it's a little bit different than you and I being able to just grab it and say, yo, you're going to roll this way or else I'm out. There's a relationship, and that relationship 
lends itself to KD probably being less aggressive in his approach Ooh. than a normal individual would saying. be. That is, and, that, and James yes. Harden doesn't have a personal relationship with Kyrie. So at the end of the day, he like bumped that. I don't really care. And so the best thing for him to do was pack his bags and go somewhere else. But it sounds else. key to me that Jay is saying that relationship needs to evolve, right? Yes. It needs to it needs Next to change in certain that, that ways. That may be and that may be the case, Jay. You know better than you know better than me about the relationship because you've dealt with both parties in different circumstances. In the end though, you still got a relationship there. And how much does Kevin Durant value that relationship? With Kyrie Irving, if he values it to the degree that he's willing to continue to put up with whatever Kyrie is doing, what can we do? You can or value, what could he do better yeah, yet? You can value your brother while not minimizing what your legacy is going to be. And let me tell you how you value your brother the right way. Look, man, if you don't want to do things the way I want them to be done because I'm here to win chips, then we need to talk about this right now because then this needs to go different directions. I think it's even I don't need, we, I don't deeper need. than that, Jay. What you seem to be – it's my interpretation of the conversation you guys are having is that the relationship itself needs to evolve. That's what I just In said. order for the product – but it's not so simple as, hey – uh, this is the way we're going to play basketball. It's that their interpersonal relationship yes. has to evolve, and that will manifest itself on the court, right? Like, KD's got to assert himself. But that's what I was just saying. That's what I just said. Like, Kyrie, look, either you're going to get on board with how I want to do things and what standard of excellence I have with how I see this organization moving forward, and if you don't, I love you, then we need to move in different directions. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. Desmond Bain, the most improved player award. You imagine that key showing up to your crib and the MIB, the MIP award uh, is literally on your kitchen table, just sitting there chilling. You're like, what the hell is this? And you're, meanwhile, a guy going for the MVP of the league has left that on your kitchen table for Desmond Bain. I love that. Yeah, no, it's cool. That's why I'm, some people like it, some people don't. I don't. I thought it was cool. I thought it was dope. I just love the fact that Desmond was angry about it. Right? Like, <laughs> why? Almost, though, why would he be? I don't understand. Why would he be angry, though? <laughs> because I, I, there's a part of me, and I'm about to go down to Memphis, and I can't wait to kick it with those guys and hang out. There's a part of me with Desmond where it feels like I don't need any awards because I feel like I'm that dude. And, hey, John Morant, that's great that you want to give it. But, like, I'll get it on my own merit. 
I don't need you to give the damn thing but to also me. Like, I'll get it. It's almost like Jaws on to bigger and better yes, things. He is. <laughs> I'm exactly. looking at the MVP. Here, take this MIP. Take this MIP real quick. <laughs> yeah, he won't, be, he, he won't be getting the MVP this year. But nah, maybe, he won't maybe at some point in time in his future, he might steal one. You I just never know. You know what's crazy? You know what? I know, Max, you're not into Batman and stuff like that, but. Bane is one hell of be. Bane is one hell of a character. That was the best that's, part of that movie. That's my favorite. That's one of my favorite characters in Batman, and I feel like Desmond Bane is becoming one of my favorite players in basketball. Key, that dude is swole, and I'm talking about he will get up in your jock strap and literally breathe up underneath your armpits. That's how close he is to you defensively. Every possession, there's something different about him. They need to wake up though. They, yeah, they better not let Minnesota that get away. Didn't sound nor smell good. Yeah, that, yeah. I don't know. I don't <laughs> know about that imagery. From me. Yeah, I don't know. Just hey, Key, when he was like, and he'll get up and start to smell, I'm like, wait a minute. Where? Yeah, okay, the armpit. Exactly. Okay, thank God. Jock, get up dove? in the jock strap underneath the what? armpits. I'm like, oh, yeah. no, nah, Jay, come on, man. Are you using Dove soap? What is that smell? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the one what of, is that, Predigans? One of the reasons that Jock, I mean, first of all, he just got to the league, basically. He's, you know, not quite what the bigs have been. But the fact that they went, was it 21 and 22 and 20, 21 two? and Something 2? Without, without Ja, without I ja, mean yeah. that 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 hurts him in a way, you know. Like by the way, him and hurts and him hurts him hurts for who? the MVP. Yeah, yeah, for hurts the him M- for the MVP. Uh, yeah, like if they went he two and twenty one, he, 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 he wasn't gonna get it anyway. Way, though. No, he wasn't. But let's say they were two and twenty one without him, and then crazy record with him. Now he's in the conversation. Well, if you're in two two and twenty one without him, that's a different. That means that this dude is worth every price of admission. Like, I mean, he still is worth every price oh, of admission, though. No, I get it, but you know, if you two and twenty one, and all of a sudden. You turn it around and, and, yeah. and something crazy happens when you come back. That just solidifies what people think. I agree. I'm just saying, John Morant, you need to stop being so cool, brother. It's time to time to kick that gear into a he'll, different He'll different kick shape. it in gear. Yeah, he he'll has kick to. It it's in time. Gear. We're back in 10 seconds. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. See from where I'm sitting with Debo what the problem is. I just always assume. What do I always assume it is, Key? Hey. Key knows what I always assume it is. I didn't hear you, Max. Saying what? Keyshawn, J. Willemax, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and your smart speakers. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. I'm saying, Key, with, uh, I'm saying like with Debo, from where I'm sitting, hard to tell what's mm-hmm. going on, but what is my first assumption going to be? Money? Yeah, man, it's a, it's a money <laughs> issue. That's right. Um, but I don't know. I don't know that know. it is a money issue. I know. That's what's weird about it. Here's John Lynch, San Francisco GM, talking at the press conference about Debo and his current status with the team. Everyone's very curious about uh, Debo and what's going on there. You know, I'm not going to talk about that much today because I don't think that's productive. I don't want to speak on behalf of Debo and, and his team. You know, we pride ourselves for our communication with our players, and um, this, this case is no different. You know, I'm confident we can, we can find the solutions to work through whatever's going on. I just, like I said, I can't ever imagine moving on from, from Debo. He's been such a great player for us. He means so much to this franchise. Got nothing but love for the guy. 
key. I, I'm cynically, I'm always like, of course it comes down to the dough. But I agree with you. There's something about this one when you hear he's homesick, this or that. Why are you unsure what it's about? Well, usually if, if it's about the money, the player will tell you it's about the money. Mm-hmm. The, the agent will discuss publicly with somebody it's about the money. The San Francisco 49ers are willing to talk contract with Debo Samuel. So that tells me right then and there it's really not about the money. It's about something else. And John Lynch is willing, as he said, to work with Debo and his team to try to resolve whatever issues it is because he wants to keep the the talented player. Uh, So it's something, you know, it could be the homesick thing. It It could be a number of things outside of money that is making Debo Samuel look to another Another place. I mean, you know, homesick for me. If you're a rookie, second year player, you're. You, I could. I could buy into that. Really, I could. But when you getting into that third and fourth year, at that point, man, you're a real grown ass man. You away from college. Now at this time, you're not near your home. I, I just, you know, four years going on four years in the league to be homesick. That's that's a stretch. Yeah, key, I, the homesick stuff. I'm not buying that, man. I mean, I, that doesn't. When somebody gives you the kind of contract that this dude is gonna get, I'm gonna make my home. <laughs> I'm gonna make my On home. On the moon, the, wherever. Exactly, yeah. wherever you want me to make my home, I'll make my home right here. It, it. This to me feels like a power play where it's um, it's almost like I want you to acknowledge what my worth is. Like and I, I think the more that guys like John Lynch and tell me if I'm wrong, Key, the more that guys like John Lynch publicly display what that is for Debo, I, I think then that feeling then you can start finding a little bit more middle ground, right? Well, the, the public affection is always going to be there with a talented player. I eh, think Debo, not always, not always. Well, I mean, with, when you're dealing with John Lynch, it is okay. John John is 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 not a disrespectful general manager. He's a straight shooter. Um, just like he was as a player. And I think when you look at it, they're willing to pay him. Now, what that is they're willing to pay him, I don't know because Debo Samuel is not telling anyone anything. He's kind of like not saying nothing. And so when you don't say anything, all people can do is assume certain things. And my assumption would be that they're looking to pay him maybe not as much money as he wants if it's about money. Otherwise, it's about something else. And that something else is he wants to leave San Francisco and go be happy closer to home. Now, that, this is why I get cynical. Not only because, like, you work your whole life. You're one of the greatest athletes who ever lived. You work your whole life, dedicate to your craft to have this tiny little window to make all your dough, right? So I'm always thinking, like, once you get to the point where it's time to get paid, show me the money. But in, and in Debo's case, too, Key, because he's kind of a hybrid back, receiver I my mind automatically goes to he wants top wide out money and they want to give him some other kind of dough right so John Lynch can say anything he wants publicly but if another team's willing to come up over 70 guaranteed which is what these guys seem to be getting now then the actual way that he is valued is different elsewhere right but yeah, I agree, it, there is something here that doesn't oh, exactly sure. fit he into is, that he box is a- he is a sort of kind of hybrid player, but he did have 1,400 yards receiving. Yep. So, you know, that 1,400 yards receiving. There's only uh, – only person I can think of that did some of the same things as him is like Roger Craig, mm-hmm. um, maybe Marcus Allen, Marshall Falk. The, that's where you value Debo Samuel. 1,400 yards receiving, another 365 yards on the ground with 77 catches in the air, and his rush attempt is at a six. 6.2 clip 
and he told he scored 14 total touchdowns. So yeah, when you productive. think about it, that weapon can be used for somebody else, but they got to know how to use him. If he gets traded, let's say for the instance I mentioned the New York Jets, the New York Jets have the 10th pick in the draft. Give up the 10th pick, give up something else, be willing to pay $80 million, but the Jets got to know what to do. Mike LaFleur, it, it, he needs to know what to do with a guy like Debo Samuel. Don't trade for him. It did don't know what to do, do with him. <laughs> exactly. That's I see that all the time. Like, hey, man, colossal I, got, mistake. I got this player. Well, so I, I want to be. I want to be clear. But is he going to be in the booth key? Is he going to be down on the field? Like, oh, is that is, like? Is, well, is you you Beck? told me it wasn't. That, you told me last year, Evan, it wasn't that big of a deal. It, it wasn't, wasn't that big of a deal. He went upstairs. I'm like, yeah, okay. No, the bigger deal was that Zach Wilson needed his guy on the sideline. I don't think the. Coach needing to go to the booth is a big deal if that's an easier way to call the game. I'm just asking, like, will he know how to use Debo if he's the OC on the field, or will he need to go to the booth to know how to use Debo? Uh, you know, the interesting I'm... thing is when you're on the sideline to start the season and then all of a sudden you go upstairs, that tells me you don't know what the hell you're doing because mm -hmm. you you can't – you got to go upstairs to call a game because you couldn't do it from the uh -huh. sideline, so you're trying to figure out anything – possible nice try to try to turn this into a Jets talk uh, Evan yeah. but uh, Evan's We're a big Jets fan but key I, I want to get back to something because the other day you seem to be telling me or thinking that Debo cannot be valued like a top receiver because he's different what he does he's not going to win his matchup the same way that a top receiver is that's, that, and that's true that's why you got to know what to do with him if you don't know what to do with him then you're wasting the player the things that he can okay? do yeah you yeah. you you if he goes to a team where an offensive coordinator doesn't have an imagination like Kyle Shanahan, he's just going to be a guy. Keyshawn J. Will and Max were presented by Progressive Insurance. Nets get swept by the Celtics. Jay says they should run it back. Does that include Steve Nash? Keyshawn J. Will and Max, the podcast. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. I woke up and I chose violence. The only way the Nets will ever win a world championship is if Kevin Durant becomes the bus driver. KD on paper looks like the bus driver, but he's not. It's been Kyrie. There's a shift that needs to occur in Brooklyn. KD needs to be the bus driver. And I think I saw it last night for the first time where it says, it doesn't matter what the hell happens. Get out of my way. Either you're on my bus or if you're not, get the hell off. My dude, Frank Isola. Yes, Network, Sirius XM, NBA radio with us now. Frank, you heard what Jay just had to say. What do you think? I would say to that, bingo. 
I think he's 100% right. And, you know, after last night, you know, Kyrie had a quote about, you know, it's all kind of getting together and, you know, me, Josiah, and uh, Sean Marks, and we'll sit down and we'll figure this out. You know, I, I always think of that, the Bill Belichick line about do your job. Like what the Nets need Kyrie Irving to do is not play in just 103 games in his Nets career, which is all he's played in. And I think Jay is right. I think this has got to be Kevin Durant really taking ownership of this, really holding guys accountable because the Nets are going to go into next season. They're going to have talent, and Kyrie Irving, I think, will be back. I think he'll be signed with them. But there's two huge question marks, and it's going to be be Kyrie Irving and it's going to be Ben Simmons. Are they all the way in? You can't be halfway in, and I think the Nets all season long, just look at the year that they had. They were basically a part-time team. James Harden showing up out of shape, then not wanting to be there. Joe Harris getting hurt in November, no fault of his own. Kevin Durant missing 21 games with an injury. Kyrie with the vaccination status. They make a major trade in the middle of the season. The main guy that they get back in the trade never played. You know, you treat the regular season like, well, we're just, it's really all about the playoffs. Well, the teams that seem to be doing well in the postseason actually treated the regular season like it mattered, including the team that just swept them 4-0. Frankie, Kevin Durant coming back next year will be 34 years old. And my whole thing to Kia Max is like, I don't have time anymore to wait for all the BS that is going on with you guys. So Ben Simmons, you know what? Wear what everybody else is wearing on the damn sideline. Like be in uniform with everybody and be available on the court. Kai, I don't want to hear any more hiccups from you. Let's just go out here and win championships. After the game, Frank, like my, my mouth dropped to the floor. I saw Kyrie smiling and laughing with his old teammates. And I'm watching Kevin go through the handshake line, and he looks so pissed off. And I'm just like, wow, like that's the dichotomy between the way one person rolls as opposed to the other. And this is a team that just got swept in the first round of the playoffs. Like that's mind-boggling to me. No, and, and here's the deal with, with both players, and I agree with you about Kevin Durant because a, a lot of it is, is always going to fall on him just like it falls on LeBron when his team loses. Since Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving have been together, the Nets, and I understand they didn't play the first year, but it still kind of goes on their resume, the Nets are one and three in playoff series. So right now the Golden State Warriors, the team that, um, that Kevin Durant left, they're on pace to get a, a playoff series victory, maybe even make it to a conference finals, maybe win a championship without them. Look at how Boston has done without Kyrie Irving. That's, a, that's something that you have to own right there and Kyrie Irving again I, I forget it without taking a political stance here th- there's no question though that him not getting vaccinated impacted this team all season long it was one of many factors and when you just show up in the press and Kyrie was the one that said yeah we, we, you know we, we just need time to gel well that's what the regular season is for mm-hmm. explain to me why and we, we hear people say it all the time Jay you played in the league so you know this how the regular season doesn't matter well, why didn't you sit, tell that to the Phoenix Suns, who made it all the way to Game 6 of an NBA Finals last year? It seemed to matter to them. They won 64 games, for crying out loud, during the regular season. Boston went 26-6 and six in the last 32 games. You're going to sit here and tell me that didn't matter? Meanwhile, the Nets, who's playing? You don't know. And to your point about Ben Simmons, and listen, I, you know, what he's going through mentally, I hope that he gets it all figured out. I don't know why he held a press conference to hint that he might not that he might play and then you don't play. But why is it a guy that was hiding in the fourth quarter the last time we saw him play a basketball game wants everyone to look at him on the bench when he's not playing? It, it makes no sense what went on. The way that whole thing was handled, that was handled wrong from from the start. And then last night, I, I, don't, I didn't even see him at the game last night. So the whole thing has been a mess. I, I feel badly for Kevin Durant. Listen, could Kevin Durant do some things better? Absolutely. But he took a leap of faith to come here 
and you want a Kyrie to be his running mate, they need everyone to be all in, or else guess what? Next, they'll be a playoff team next year, and they'll suffer more disappointment. Frank Isola, Yes Network, joining us this morning on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. Frank, so with all that being said, whose team is it, though? Who's the leader of the team? Is it Kyrie Irving's team, or is it Kevin Durant's team? Well, I, I think the, I think to what Jay said, I, I do at times feel like it's Kyrie's team and not so much Kevin Durant, and he's got to be the guy. And, it's, and listen, uh, the players respect Kyrie from the standpoint they all know that he's a talented player. Absolutely. But it's hard when you're just not around that much, when it always seems to be something, whether it's injury, whether it was the vaccination status this year. Last year, you know, remember when he was gone from the team for two weeks? All that stuff kind of factors in. And I think if, you know, if Kyrie Irving wants to look at his career and say, I want to make sure I win one without LeBron. And Kevin Durant was won two titles with Golden State. And he says, I want to, I want to prove that I could win without those guys on Golden State. Everyone has to be all in. From day one, clearly there's going to be some changes. And to Jay's point, Kevin Durant's going to be 34. Who knows? Maybe last year, and I gave him a lot of credit for it. The season ended, and a week later, that dude flew out to Vegas and joined the national team. And we probably don't win the Olympics without him. That's how much that guy loves to play. He needs to find – they need to find guys on the team that are that passionate about it, and they need to get a little bit younger, a little bit longer, because look at – you know, the, the, the Celtics, you know, length and athleticism certainly gave this team trouble, but – to get back to your original point, it needs to be Kevin Durant. He's got to be the guy. He's got to, you know, uh, ruffle some feathers a little bit more. And, Frank, guess who was one of the coaches on that USA basketball team? Ime Udoka, who got a chance That's to right. watch KD every single day, know what strategies he likes and what he doesn't like. But as it relates to coaching, are you bringing Steve Nash back? I think they should. Uh, I think this core between Steve Nash and and Joe Harris and Katie and Kyrie deserve at least one more run at it, considering they haven't actually been all on the court together. One run at it. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I, I think, obviously, could, are there things that Steve Nash could have done better uh, in the series? Yeah. I do think that's the case. I think the fact that Steve Nash and Kevin Durant are aligned, I think that's important. I, I tend to agree with you because I do think, again, you know, if, if you have Joe Harris and Ben Simmons, and you know, four years ago, guys, Ben Simmons was on a 6 or team that won 19 of the last 20 games. If you had said at that point, is Ben Simmons one of the top 20 players in the league? Everyone would have said, yes, he is. So they didn't have Joe Harris. You don't have Ben Simmons. And think about how you know that makes you deeper. It means Patty Mills doesn't have to play as much. Seth Curry, who was very good last night. I think everything that happened this year to say, well, well, you know, Steve Nash isn't the guy. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just not buying that right now. And listen, this, when you get swept, everything is on the table. But I'm, I'm not blaming Steve Nash for this. I'm sorry. Frank Isola will be live talking Nets Celtics from 7 to 10 a.m. Eastern on the starting lineup on Sirius XM NBA Radio Channel 86. Frank, I want you to listen to something because you brought up, uh, you brought up um, the Sixers just then. I want you to listen to something that Joel Embiid said at the postgame presser. I've been saying all season since he got here, you know, he just needs to be aggressive. And he, need, he needs to be himself. Um, you know, that's, you know, that's not really my job. Um, you know, that's probably on coach, uh, to, you know, talk to him and tell him to, you know, take more shots, uh, especially if they're going to guard me the way they've been guarding. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's really not my job. Frank, he called out James Harden and Doc Rivers. <laughs> what do you make of this? <laughs> well, the Doc one is easy because poor Doc, everyone knows going into this well, if they lose, Doc is going to be out. So a lot of t- I, I think it's been completely unfair to Doc Rivers. I don't mind him calling out James Harden as much because James needs to play better. But it's funny. And I like Embiid. 
But there are times when he's got a little front runner in him. When things are going well, he's doing a lot of talking. Look at the way that he was after game three. But this is the adversity that we've seen the Sixers go through before. And can you imagine they go to Toronto and they lose that game six. You talk about pressure Ooh. on that team after it looked like they were like a minute away from making it to the second round and likely playing Miami. But guess what? Embiid, you know, wants to be the MVP. Certainly going to finish. We know that in the top three. I think he'll finish definitely in the top two. You know, th- this is your moment. You've never been out of the second round before. Doc Rivers had. So you know, James Harden has been out of the second round before. This is going to be on you. You're the guy that wants to be the MVP. You know, Jay and uh, Keyshawn were asking before about whose team is it. This needs to be Joel Embiid's team. You need to be the guy doing it. Frank, and to all the Philadelphia 76ers fans that want to complain about Jokic and being MVP, I, I hear all that talk throughout the course of the year. That's fine. <laughs> Same with Joel Embiid. Go get it right now. You're playing That's injured. Right. You're playing injured. You're playing against an undermanned Toronto team with Scotty Barnes, who's hurt, Fred Van Vliet, who's not playing right now. And this is the time to prove your greatness, to come through against just not this team, but also a Miami team, Frank, that you know. You know how Jimmy Butler, you know how Eric Spoelstra are. They are going to rake down on that hand every opportunity they, they get. That's why I think it's a moment for greatness for Joel Embiid to rise if he can take the calling. And that's why not everyone in the league is, is uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, who last year at the start of the playoffs was shooting air balls. Players on opposing teams were counting out how long it was taking mm-hmm. from the free throw line to shoot. Guys were making fun of him. How did it work out for uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo by the end of the playoffs? One of the greatest closeout games in NBA Finals history. I forget the exact number. Was it 18 of 20 free throws yep. that he made in 50. the game? Never makes excuses. Never makes excuses. Never blames somebody else. Puts it all on himself, and that guy's had some. He's been an he's been an incredible player the last three years in the NBA. Really, the most accomplished player the last three years in the NBA. Two MVPs and obviously a Finals MVP. That needs to be Embiid. You want to be this guy? Be the guy now. You get to do it in Game Six in Toronto on the road, which, as you guys know, that's where players make their bones on the road in the playoffs. Frank, it is true that it is Embiid's team, and then he's a step up to the plate. But they did trade for James Harden in the middle of the season to get them over the hump. If they fail to get over the hump, how much of it falls on James? I, I think a lot does. And it's funny, you know, because last year against Milwaukee, I give James Harden a lot of credit. That dude had a bad hamstring. He went out there on one leg. You guys know this. Not easy for players that people expect a lot out of to play hurt because you're not going to be at your best, but you're going to be judged at your best. But this year it just hasn't been there for him. You know, he, I think you know, he had blamed the hamstring on the fact that he wasn't able to work out in the summer. To me, he never seems to be in shape. And how many 4-for-11s, 4-15s, go look at basketballreference.com and go look at his games played down the stretch. He was 4-for-11, 4-for-15, 4-for-12, all down the stretch. I know yesterday he was 4-for-11 again. He just hasn't, he hasn't gotten back to that standard that he was at last year and obviously the year before that when he was just a different kind of player, seemed a little bit quicker getting to the basket. It needs If they want to be a championship team, when you make a trade for James Harden and you've got Joel Embiid right now in his prime, you're thinking about being a championship team. They don't, they don't look like that yet. Now, they look like a team, yes, they could still advance, but it needs to be better from James Harden, and it really hasn't been that way for him all season long. Frank, what does it mean that when you identify those teams like the Sixers, Daryl Morey's very much, I got to go get a difference maker, right? The Nets, who imported uh, superstars. That's one way to do it. Another way is to keep grinding in the organization, find your players, develop them up. The Bucks, the Celtics, right? What we're seeing is that, oh, if only they were healthy. 
for the teams that have kind of the Daryl Morey philosophy. If only, the, if only that. They would have won. They would have been better. But meantime, the other teams are winning. What does that say to you? Well, you know, it's funny. I was talking to a couple of uh, NBA, you know, uh, coaches last night, and they were saying that they think, you know, that the players aren't in as good a shape as they used to be, and I think that's something that has contributed to the injuries. But it's funny. You bring up the teams that have done really well in the draft. Don't forget, the Golden State Warriors, the core of that team with three guys that were drafted, Steph, Clay, and Draymond being a second-round pick. And you look at the Boston Celtics, and you guys know this. Last year, the Celtics looked like a dead team walking. First of all, all right, I get it. They didn't have Jalen Brown against the Nets. The starting backcourt was Kemba Walker, Evan Fournier. We know where both of those guys ended up. But it just didn't look like it was really going to happen. They make a, a, a coaching change. Ime Udoka has done a tremendous job. But the three guys that got a lot better, you know, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, there you go again. Three guys that were drafted by that organization, and that team got a chance to grow, and that team got better during the regular season. They didn't look that good at the start of the year, that's for sure. You know, on our radio show, I do it with Mr. Boston Celtic himself. He's the biggest leprechaun out there, Brian Scalabrini. You know how many calls we took in November with Boston fans? you got to break up Tatum and Brown. you got to break up Tatum and Brown. I'm thinking, why would you do that? Why would? Then you have to find one of those guys again if you did that. You know, it's about, A, being patient, sticking with your young guys, and getting better over the course of the season. That's why, you know, we're, we're all going to talk about the Nets saying rightfully so, but Boston has been a terrific team. That's a legitimate championship contender. Exactly. That's a team that got bounced in five games last year. Frank, are you willing to stand on the record right now and say that Jason Tatum is a top-five player in the NBA? Because I feel like I am. Well, I did vote. I did give him a top-five MVP vote. I thought he was that good this year. You know, both ends of the court. There were times when – he takes some shots where Agreed. he kind of reminds me a little bit of Kobe, where you're thinking, ah, that's not, that's not the best shot. But I'll tell you what, how about when he picked up the fifth foul on the, when they challenged the call? They took him out of the game for a moment. All of a sudden, the Nets made a little bit of a run. He made a said, I got to put him back in there. Right away, he made plays. How many times in the fourth quarters of, the, of this series did he make big plays? And then, of course, the big moment was when he fouled out with 2.48 to go. I mean, Frank, that was a horrible foul call. That was a horrible foul call. Nobody's even talking about that. The Nets, the Nets were playing against a, a Boston team without Jason Tatum for the last two minutes and 48 seconds of the game. Still couldn't get it done. And they couldn't get it done. Yeah. I thought I thought at that moment I said you know what I don't know I don't know if they're going to be able to score. Hey, Jalen Brown in a lot of ways had the biggest basket of game one when they were down three and he had that easy layup. He's the one that that ended that little uh, drought that they had when he went baseline and he beat Kevin Durant to the basket and got a layup again a layup for the Boston Celtics when they needed a basket. They got two of them in game one in the final forty seconds last night. That layup by Jalen Brown kind of settled things down a little bit and then obviously Kevin Durant. Missing that free throw was big because then you could have you could have played the foul game down the stretch. It's so funny, Frank, that as we're talking about this and we're talking about teams that draft their guys and develop and are patient versus the teams that kind of get thrown together. And I think we're seeing a shift in the NBA where, oh, just grab the stars isn't working as well, right? Part of that seems to be that that you got to work out these issues when you throw the stars together. Whose team is it? KD has to assert himself. Embiid has to do the, they have to work out the relationship where that hasn't happened organically like it has say on a team like the Celtics or where we're looking at um at Memphis to see how that's going to turn out, right? It seems to be a shift to to my thinking at least in the way the NBA is organizing itself and what's actually succeeding. Yeah, that's why and a, a guy that uh, you know that, that works at ABC, ESPN, Jeff Van Gundy, who I covered for a long time when he coached the Knicks, 
he always says, you know, the most important job is picking the players, and that's really where it is as well. you got to draft the right players, and look at the job that mm-hmm. Memphis has done drafting. Obviously, the Warriors not going out of the park with the three guys that we mentioned before. That's why when you're drafting high in the draft, and I think the Knicks kind of fall under this category, when you miss, it really sets you back. You know, with the Knicks, you know, Frank Nilakina, Kevin Knox, you have high draft picks, and you don't hit it, it really is – it's really tough for your organization. And Danny Ainge, you know, did he miss on some things? Absolutely. Did he hit on Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Moore, Robert Williams? I, I would I would say that he did. Seems. Those guys are pretty darn good. When you're building your roster – that's why, you know, with, with Keyshawn Sport in the NFL – what I like about the NFL is you draft guys that kind of let the cake bake a little bit. They, you know, they don't give up on guys that quickly. And, you know, with these teams, they let them stay together. And I think some of these markets where you're always thinking, oh, we've got to get rid of guys, we've got to get rid of guys, it doesn't work. Sometimes being patient actually helps. It certainly has helped the Boston Celtics when everyone's crying, get rid of, get rid of Tatum or Brown, break them up, it's not going to work, it's not going to work. Well, it's working right now. Frank Isola, check him out on the starting lineup. Uh, on ESPN Radio. Frank, thanks thanks so much. Uh, at Sirius XM, sorry. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. As always, awesome. Thanks, guys. Keep up the good work. Appreciate it. Thank you. Game six. Uh, well, no. Frank will be talking Nets Celtics from 7 to 10 a.m. Eastern on the starting lineup on Sirius XM NBA Radio Channel 86. Guys, like it seems to me, Jay, that that's a shift. Like it was when, once LeBron made the super team in Miami, they went to four straight, they won back to back. Once KD joined the Warriors, they were unbeatable. And that's the, oh, just grab the stars and put them together. But maybe not. Yeah, I don't know about that, Max, because the Miami Heat doing pretty good putting Butler and, and, and Kyle Lowry together. And so, you know, when you start looking at different teams, I mean, you could look at you could look at uh, Milwaukee. They they put guys together. They're not the the stars, but they still put guys mm. together and they still rolling. So I wouldn't necessarily. I'm not talking about a GM adding a piece. That's adding no, Drew no. Holiday. Let's add this piece, right? They had they drafted and developed Giannis. They had Middleton. They had Jason Kidd working that for a little while. Then they then they add the piece of Drew Holiday. But when but but my, Max, my question but to you is: You say there's been a shift. That's always been the case, though. When when was the shift to just bring in a whole bunch of superstars and that's going to equate to winning championships? What I mean is... Because there's only one, really, the Lakers are realistically the only team to do that, or LeBron when he... But LeBron was a piece added to Miami. Yeah, the Lakers... Along with, along with Bosch. Bosch. And Bosch, yes. Yeah, no, but those are... But, but that's not... When you add LeBron and Bosch, that's not adding pieces. That's I, like... I feel you. Yeah. I feel you, but, but I'll there's say not like a lot of NBA teams have been adding a whole bunch no, of superstars. No, no, but that's always been the dream, no. to be like the Lakers. Look what the Lakers have done throughout their history. Yes, of course, they draft and develop. Uh, Kobe, Magic was the number one overall pick. But then they go out, and originally they traded for Wilt Chamberlain, Kareem, later on Shaq. They brought in the piece that the whole league was envious about. And I think that was always the dream in the NBA. If only you could get your hands on a guy like that. So LeBron and Bosh go to Miami. The Warriors get their hands on KD. Daryl Morey That's gets a piece. That's a piece, on- That's a piece. Yeah, what? I was going to say, even, even the it's Diesel, a piece. That's what I'm saying. even Shaq in, in- – the cap and all them was one piece. Yeah. Every team get every huge team pieces. gets one huge piece though. But, but every team gets one. But, but you look at yeah. you look at 
McCullough, how, whatever you feel about C.J. McCullough, he's a piece to New Orleans. Yes. He didn't get, that's, just, no, that's every right. Every team gets one piece. I would though. say C.J. McCollum is a key critical piece that's absolutely helping, different than bringing in Shaquille O'Neal, which changes everything. Agree, but there's always been a core to a team. But is it really? Yes. Been one major where piece. it's worked. So where it's, it where there's really, not a shift from all these stars back to homegrown. That's never been the case. But is that's it really right. different? Yeah, is it is. really a difference? Future of the Nets will rely on one big change in Brooklyn. That's next, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. 